everybody, or actually it's afternoon, sorry. Good afternoon, everybody. Glad you're here today. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here. It's Christmas weekend, and we know a lot of folks are traveling, uh, but you guys are here today, and I just want to say a big, big thank you uh, for being here. A um, couple things. Here's what we've learned over the years about our announcement package. The longer you've been going here, the less that you listen to them, apparently. Um, so, because uh, we'll get emails all through the week, and we're like, we said that on Sunday. But uh, so I know what happens is, you know, you guys remember Charlie Brown's teacher? And she would just be like, wah, 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 wah. That's what happens in here. So, a couple of things. If you show up next week, next Sunday at 8:45, like it's just gonna be you and you're gonna be lonely and afraid. And, and we'll just invite you to like maybe mop or clean up while you're here. Because uh, we're not having church at, at 8:45, just the 10, 15, and 11:45 services. The other thing we want to remind you again is tomorrow, 3, 4, and 5, our Christmas Eve services. These will be about 40 minutes apiece. Very, very, very family-friendly, family-centric. And it's going to be a great time if you want to just do that right before you go do your festivities. That would be uh, fantastic. And then last thing I got to tell you is every year, the beginning of the year, we do this thing called 21 Days of Prayer uh, and Fasting. And it'll begin for us on January the 6th, the first Sunday of the month. And what happens is for the, for, for the first 21 days of, well, January 6th through the 27th, I think it is, um, we will be praying together every day. Um, you'll do it wherever you are, whenever you pray, whatever, whatever your normal schedule rhythm is for prayer. We're just going to invite you to pray about a few things uh, corporately together with us. And then, then we'll fast as well. Um, for you, fasting will all be different. Some of you have never fasted a day in your life, so you, except for when you have to give blood, like for cholesterol or something, you know what I'm saying? Um, but here's the good, the good thing about the fasting portion is a lot of you have a New Year's resolution every year to lose weight. Can I get an amen? And nothing will help you lose weight faster than not eating food at all. Can I get a... Can I get an amen, right? So it's just like, boom. And then all of a sudden you're losing weight and it's awesome. And it's like a good God thing too. Uh, so we'll have some information for you at the, at the Next Step Central uh, next week about what the fast could look like, the different kinds that you could do. You can make it up as you go along, but we're just gonna encourage you to do something. And then each Saturday during the 21 days, we gather here in this room uh, from nine to 10 uh, for prayer together. The band leads us in some worship. Somebody will give a short devotion and then we'll pray together and, t- and celebrate communion together as well. It's always just an amazing thing. And I think it's so potent and a great way to sort of set the trajectory for your new year um, with prayer and fasting. So join us on that. We'll give you more information next week and of course the following week when we launch it. Um, So think about that. Today, I want to talk to you uh, about joy. And by the way, if you missed last Sunday, uh, last Sunday was our Christmas service, the one where we kind of do productions and stuff and it was fun. Um, if you missed last week, and particularly the third service, if you, those of you who are here for the third service, it, was, um, it went to a whole different place than we intended it for, and it was very funny, and we had a lot of fun. So uh, I don't know if we put that on, on social media or not, but go back and watch it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but today I want to talk to you about joy, because there's all this talk around Christmas time. It's a central theme of Christmas for people, whether you're religious or not. Um, we sing songs like Joy to the World, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to um, Lowe's to get something, and I walked in, and there was this huge like yard decorations that just said Joy, and it was these monster letters, and I was like, yes, we got to have some of that, you know what I'm saying? And then I went up, and I looked at the price tag, and it was $600, and then all my joy just went right down. I was like... <laughs> Things like made out of chicken wire and some fuzz. You know what I'm saying? I, I ain't buying that for 600 bucks and joy was out the window. But, but despite the words popularity at Christmas time, um, you don't often feel or see joy around the holidays because in many ways Christmas has become 
like synonymous with busyness and and with with stress and there's you know you go to the mall and people are shoving and pushing and and fighting for parking places you go to target and they have like 94 uh registers but only four of them open can i get a good amen on that one like sorry if you work at target and and then you go to walmart and there's like the, the parking lot is like a predator like a movie predator and there's like people stalking and if god help you if you you get into a spot before them like they'll hunt you down later on in your dreams uh and and like Matter of fact, yesterday my wife and I went to this restaurant and I let her off at the front because there was no place to park. And so as she was walking up front, this other lady came past her as fast as she could and I just felt like she was gonna chuck my wife onto the ground and I was like, whoa, we don't need food that bad. You know, we're not that hungry yet. And, and it was just like all of this frenetic stress and there's, there's, you gotta bake stuff and you gotta cook stuff and it starts out fun. Like I know the ladies like maybe, and, and some dudes do as well, like to bake, right? And then about the first 30 cookies, it's pretty good. But after that, you're like, I don't even like these neighbors. Why am I making cookies for them? They don't make cookies for me. Why should I do it for them? And when they do make cookies for me, I know it came from Walmart. Man, that, you didn't bake that. Come on. This is a rule that you have to bake it yourself, right? Unless it's terrible, then go to Walmart and get me some chocolate chips. Anyways, that, that, that all happens. We, we inevitably gain weight at Christmas time because we eat uh, too much. And then we're looking at ourselves in the mirror and be like, man, another year and I still look like this, Right? <laughs> Like, speak for yourself. I am speaking for myself. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and Christmas has been hijacked by cynics and exploited by capitalists and trampled on by consumers. I'm not a socialist. Hang on, all right? And anyways, the, the checkout lines go on forever. You know, there's just stuff that happens. And then, bam, it's over. And so some of you save bows and bags, and you're like, your kids are like, I think I saw this bag last year, mom. You know what I'm saying? And, and then you got busted for that. And, and then we burn all the paper because you don't want to stuff it in your garbage can and strip the tree. And then, then it's New Year's resolutions. And then sometimes we go through this entire month and we've missed the whole point. We're like the guy who goes to the, to the coast but misses the ocean. Um, the, the, the threat of a holiday hijacking of our joy is, is a real thing. So I, I think that the reason that that joy is lacking at Christmas is oftentimes because people just simply don't understand it. They don't understand joy. They don't understand how to have it. So we're going to talk about joy today. Matter of fact, look at somebody and tell them you need to joy up. Joy up. Say it. Come on, do it. Say, say it like this. You need to joy up. Three people did that. Three people did that. Come on, if you just say joy up, it's like pretty good. But if you say joy up, it's like taking joy to a how never level. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> how never level. Anyways, um, you need to joy up. I'll explain that in a minute. Let, let, let me start by making a few statements about joy that you probably already know, but I want to do it for context. Joy isn't something that comes from the outside of us, meaning it isn't about the stuff that happens to us externally. It's something that comes uh, from the inside, it's also something that I'm going to argue throughout this message, or not argue, but just maintain, that you can choose to live in, that you can choose to experience, that you can choose to have, that, that, that if you're waiting for something good to happen so that you can experience the joy of the Lord, you might wait a long time because that's not how joy works. Um, in, in, in this current climate in our country's history, and just, I'm thinking politically and, and all of the stuff, the junk that goes on all the time in very divided country. There's, there's a lot of stuff that happens in our lives, that happens in our world, that happens in our everyday lives that, 
that could cause us to lose our joy um, at Christmas. And, and Jesus would speak to this in, in, in John's Gospel, John 16. He tells his followers, he says, listen to me. In, in this world, you will have trouble. Like that's just a matter of fact. And then he goes on and he says, but take heart because I have overcome this world. But, but he says, in this world, in this lifetime, you're going to have trouble. Not, not just economically, not just financially or, or politically or, or with your health, but just in general, by virtue of the fact that you're on this planet, you will have trouble. You will have things and people that oppose your joy, things that will kill your joy if you don't understand it and learn how to live in it. So what do we do about joy? How do we, how do we access it? And I'm going to maintain again throughout this message that, that joy is a choice we make. It's an attitude that we choose to have no matter what's happening around us during the holidays and beyond. Um, for, for me, I have made a decision that I choose not to live in anger. I lived for many, many years in anger, and I'm, I made a decision at some point. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to live in anger. I'm not going to live frustrated chronically. It doesn't mean that I don't get angry or that I don't get frustrated. I'm just not going to camp there and live in that. I'm not going to live with bitterness and in and, 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 and a constant state of negativity. I choose instead to live in joy. I choose to joy up, everybody. Joy up. I, I don't... I don't want you just to know about the great joy that the angels told the shepherds was coming. Like, I want you to live with great joy. Uh, and, and it's based on not, not what's happening around you, but who is in control of all of this. And, and, and I want to make a significant distinction today. When we say joy, and again, you know this, we're not saying happiness, which depends on happenings and is fleetings, right? Fleeting, like McDonald's has happy meals not joyful meals, right? They, they get it, right? A person can be happy-go-lucky, but rarely do you hear of people who are just joyful-go-lucky, right? C certain bars have happy hours. They don't have joyful hours, right? But if it's been happy enough, it could turn into joy later on. I don't know, right? Right? That's the folks that come to this service, the ones that got very joyful last night and that you couldn't wake up, right? Just kidding, just kidding. Sometimes this is our biggest service, and we're like, wow, people were really having fun last night. You know what I'm saying? Um, we're, not, we're, we're saying the joy of the Lord, or the joy that the Bible would say comes from the Lord. In other words, it's his joy, not dependent on anything happening in my life. It's not mine. It's not dependent on how well uh, my turkey is going to turn out on Tuesday. And it better turn out good or I'm going to be angry about it. No, I'm just kidding. Right? It's not about how many people complimented you on the ham that you made. But again, if they don't, you're going to be like, you, you better say what's up about this. You know, or I'll, I'll, I'll bust the cap off in you. you know? it, it's, it's not about what present I got or what presents I didn't get. It's God's joy, the Bible says, it gives me strength. It, it's, the Bible says in God's presence, it's fullness of joy that's there. Right? That, that's the kind of joy that comes from the spirit-filled life that, that, that is available to us. And, and you you can choose that and you can, you can choose to receive, in, uh, receive and live in that joy. And, and I find it incredibly uh, disheartening personally. And I've experienced this myself when I see God's people walking around in, in this chronic state of negativity or I like to call it the funk, man. They're just in a funk all the time when, when in fact the joy of the Lord is, is available to us. I believe that it's a trick of my spiritual enemy to steal my joy or, or at the very least to confuse me about what real joy looks like and, and, and where it comes from. Because here's the thing, the enemy... He can't steal your salvation, right? You, you know that, right? He can't take that from you. 
But, but, but he can sort of jack with your joy. I, I don't know if you remember Psalm 51. It's the Psalm of Repentance, the song of repentance that David writes after he had made some terrible decisions in his life and had been confronted of it. And he says this thing, he says, restore, verse seven, I think it is, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Like the, the enemy didn't, through his failures, didn't steal his salvation. He stole the joy of it. And, and, and he's saying, God, would you please re- restore to me the joy of my sa- salvation, that God wants us to live in, in, in a kind of joy that is a byproduct of our salvation. God wants to, joy to be a part of our lives. One of the reasons I think I could argue is, in fact, that he came to the earth to bring joy. This is from the Christmas story in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter two. There's some shepherds out in a field keeping watch over some flock by night. And then it says in verse nine, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great, what? Fear. Some of us would say, you know what, Danny, that's, that's my story right now. I'm, I'm filled with great fear or I'm filled with great disappointment or I'm filled with great worry or great anxiety in my life or I'm, I'm filled with great loneliness. I don't have anybody and I'm feeling this. But the angel says to them, fear not for behold, I bring you. Would you say this with me? Good news of, say it, great joy that will be for all of the people. And then he goes personal. He says, for unto you. Because the Christmas story is a, a deeply personal story is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That, that, that joy isn't just a nice idea that we pull out of an ancient story at, at Christmas time. It's what Jesus' arrival at the first Christmas was designed to bring, that Christmas is a season designed to bring great Joy that the the Christmas story shouldn't just be an ancient story, but but a deeply personal story. That when Jesus came in the first place, he brought great joy, and when he comes into your life today, and he comes into the picture into your life today, he brings joy. And so, so to the extent that anchoring ourselves to the Christmas story and, and tying ourselves to the joy that can only come into our lives when Jesus comes into our lives can change the entire atmosphere of our lives. So I, I want to begin this part right here by asking you a question. Those of you who are parents, uh, or, or maybe you're a teacher, or you work with kids in some way, have you ever told a kid, you better straighten up? Come on, anybody did, done this, right? You better straighten up. Nobody? Okay, so that's a very old school thing, right? <laughs> like, Danny, you're old. Nobody says that anymore, right? I, I grew up in, in a kind of church where we had church a long time. Like, I know some of y'all feel like this is long, but this is like a tweet compared to the kind of church that I went to, right? Like, and, and after a while, if you're a little kid and the, and the guy's at 43 minutes, he's not wrapping it up. He's just barely getting started, right? You start to get a little antsy, a little fidgety. And my mom would every now and then, because my dad was one of the pastors, and it was the kind of church where the pastors set up on these big chairs on stage. And we were like, what are y'all doing up there? And they're like, I don't know. They just told us to sit up here. You know what I'm saying? But after a while, my mother would be like, I will twist, because my mom would pinch. Like, that little piece of meat right there. <laughs> You could win a war by just knowing that trick right there. Just be walking through the, the, through the jungle at night and just pinching dudes fat right there. They'll be like, I quit, man. I give up. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you know, and she'd look at me. She'd be like, you better straighten up. Or when we get home, you know, and she would say, when we get home, like I was like, is this straight enough? Like, how straight do you want me? You know? Better straighten up. Well, 
I don't want to say to you today, you better straighten up. I want to say to you today that maybe we ought to joy up. Somebody, somebody's got to joy up, right? So like, like because I, I want you to leave here today knowing that you have access to the joy of the Lord and you can, and some of you, maybe you, you would say, I am happy, but like, I would just want to say, like, tell your face that, you know what I'm saying? Like, tell your face that you're happy. You ever see somebody like, there ain't nothing wrong with me, I'm fine. Are you sure? Because your face doesn't say that. There's a, there's a book in the Bible that this guy named Paul penned. And he was writing this very honest letter to this church in Philippi. And he was, he was transparent about a lot of things, but this, this letter is devoted in part to the idea of joy, about how to have joy um, un, under pressure. And, 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 and I don't know if you, of course, if you're an adult, you felt pressure in your life. You felt stress. Some of you have had pain in your life that I, I don't even understand, that you've gone through some stuff that felt like it was going to crush you, that it was pressing down on you. And, and so when Paul writes this letter, he understands, he understands that, that idea of pressure. Because he's actually writing this letter of joy, about joy and encouragement from prison, awaiting trial that ultimately would result, most likely, the history would tell us, with his death. That he understood, though, that in spite of this, that joy was a decision. That he realized that joy was a choice. And so he was writing this letter in prison, understanding what it looks like to feel anxious and to feel hopeless and to feel pressure. And he understood that sometimes life throws stuff at you as it had him. And this letter is sort of contextualizing that and, 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 and saying even all, in spite of that, that you can have joy um, no, no matter what. Because all the while that he had this high degree of pressure coming from being in prison, not knowing what was going to happen, Paul maintained this incredibly joyful, joyful perspective. And so this, this message today is joy up. And that up is sort of an acronym for under pressure, joy up, joy under pressure. As a matter of fact, he would go on later and write chapter four, verse four, which he would say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, and he's careful to say rejoice in the Lord and not rejoice in your stuff because stuff happens in our lives that doesn't cause us to rejoice. It gives us the exact opposite expression. But rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say it again, rejoice. There's, there's this point in the Christmas story, and we referenced it last week, um, where Mary, little Mary, the mother of Jesus, is being told by the angel Gabriel that she's going to give birth that she's pregnant via the Holy Spirit um, with, with the coming Messiah. And she, she thinks about this and she just says, how can this be? Like, how, how is it possible? I'm, 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 she's 14, 15 years old and, and she's a virgin. Like, how, how can these be? And, and I know that some of you would say in this place to Mordeni, like, I appreciate that you're, you're giving it a shot to try to give some joy in our lives. But dude, how could this be? Do you know my story? Do you know what I'm going through right now? Do you know the, the extent of, of the stuff that's happening in my life? Uh, do, do you understand what's going on? And, and I get it, man. I promise you I get it. But I, I want to give you some, some methods or some ways or some ideas, some thoughts at the very least for you to consider that you could have joy no matter what's going on in your life. And the first, the first idea is found here in Philippians chapter 1. 
Paul opens up this letter just you know, giving his, his introductory remarks, this sort of static thing that he would do every, every letter, uh, you know, welcome, grace and peace and all that. But then he gets to verse four and he says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I always pray with joy. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I catch myself praying like I'm Eeyore from like Winnie the Pooh's buddy. You know what I'm saying? The donkey guy, the mule guy, whatever that guy is. Like, woe is me. Life is hard. Trouble's coming in my life, you know? Anybody besides me ever do this, right? Like, like life can be a challenge sometimes. People can be a challenge sometimes. I know because I'm a person and I'm a challenge sometimes. And, and as a result, my prayer will often reflect my challenges rather than my faith. Like, like my prayer, the lens through which I'm praying is a lens of where my problems are looming larger than my God in my own estimation, right? To the extent that my prayer is like, God, I, I know you know me, and I know, but, but man, why is this happening? And what's going on? And why are you letting stuff like this go on in my life? And wh- wh- you know, what's going on? Like it's a whining session. Like, is it just me? Am I the only one maybe? Some of you are like, nope, I don't pray at all because that's what I used to do. And so I just stopped, right? right? That, 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 that can happen to me. Paul is writing this in chains, he says, from prison and because he knows who it is that he's praying to, and, and because he knows that he has access via prayer to the, God, to the ears of the God of the universe, as he's praying for his friends from Philippi, like a smile breaks out on his face because he knows this is a God who can do stuff. This is a God who can make stuff happen. Now, this makes sense because the biblical definition of joy is not a feeling, but rather an intentional focus. Now, I want you to grab that idea. It's about focus, and it's about what you focus on. Joy is about what you focus on. It's a decision that comes from within that is not based on externals. Joy is a choice that often leads us to feel certain things, but joy does not emanate from from feelings, from a feeling. Joy is a choice, it is a decision, it is an internal, spirit-filled well that we are allowed to draw from as God's people, right? It's not our joy, it's his joy. He puts it down on the inside, and those of us who understand it, we can draw from it no matter what is going on in our lives because joy is much bigger than a mere uh, emotion. And so as Paul is writing the book of Philippians, and I don't have time to go through it, we're gonna probably do a series in 2019 just based on the book of Philippians, He's using these up words, right? Not down words. He's not like, hey, guys, I stink. I'm in prison. Life is hard. You know, feel sorry for me. When, when you read this book, take a, go home and read Philippians. It'll take you 20 or 30 minutes tops to read through the whole book. You'll notice that Paul is using these up words like joy and, and rejoice and, and have confidence and, and have hope and, and, and you are in Christ. And you can see that he's just using that he's feeling joy in spite of his circumstances because of the words that he's using, that his speech, he understands that his speech and his thought life has power to dictate how he's feeling. 
Like literally dictate. So as he's writing this book, he's writing uh, upwards and, and his speech is not downcast in spite of his circumstances. They are upwards. This is such a key for us learning how to joy up that your thoughts and your speech will dictate your emotions. Some of you know this because you come home and you're in a happy mood. Your kids are in a happy mood, but maybe your wife or your husband doesn't come home in a happy mood and they walk in the room and it's like somebody dropped the thermometer down to zero and all of a sudden it's like cold and everybody's like, be quiet, they're mad today. Like their speech, like immediately they come into the room and they change the temperature with their speech. That their words have power, the Bible says, to, 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 to heal, to, to break up, to, to, to pierce, to, to harm. And so Paul knows, hey, these people need encouraging. I'm going to use upwards. And Paul keeps finding ways over and over again through the book of Philippians to tell us that no matter what the situation, joy is an option. It's always an option. Can, can I tell you that there's always a reason for joy? If you are a believer, if you are in Christ, is the way he would refer to it over and again in the book of Ephesians, there is always a reason for joy. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you are in Christ. That is your position. Now, to help make this sense, I know that some of you are sports fans. The service is lighter today because the Cowboys are playing at 12. That's what happens. Every time the Cowboys are playing at 12, this service pays the price for it. I'm like, if you came to church, they might win. You know what I'm saying? Put that baby on, but probably not, because I prayed about it a lot of times, and they continue to lose. I need somebody with real faith to start praying for the Cowboys. Come on. But, but I, I like sports. I like the Cowboys. I like the Spurs. I like the Longhorns. I like the Rangers. Those are my teams, right? Most of them find new ways to break my heart, right? Spurs, they get a little shaky. You know what I'm saying? A little shaky. But what I love about the Spurs in particular is they've been the most consistent of the teams throughout is, is that at the end of the year, I'm used to it, and most of you are, if you're Spurs friends, you are too, I'm used to them being in first place, right? So that what happens to me at the end of the year is I go to the standings, I look at the standings every day, and eventually there's an X that shows up next to their names. And those of you who are sports fans, you know what that X means. It means they are now in the playoffs. Doesn't matter how many more games they lose, doesn't matter what happens from here, they are in. And then because it's the Spurs and they used to win a lot more than they do currently, praise you. I'm still, I still have faith, you know, right? That eventually they would get a Y next to their name, which would mean that they had won their division. Like that was done. Their position now is nobody can take this first place away from them. And inevitably, a lot of times, they would until Golden State came along. You know, a lot of times they would get a Z, which means that they had secured the number one seed in the conference. That was their position. Now, they may go on and lose a few more games. They may have some struggles along the way. But their position was, is secured because those little marks next to their name. Not just because of that, but that, that was just a signifying thing. So when you're in Christ, that's true of you as well. E Ephesians 1.13 says that when you believed, you were marked with, in, in, in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, there was an X put next to your name. This guy is in like Flynn. He's in Christ. In other words, then I am not, I'm no longer fighting for a place of victory in my life. I am fighting from a place of victory in my life. Doesn't matter if I lose a match here and there. Doesn't matter if I don't always, if I'm not perfect all the way through. I have, I am in 
Christ. I am fighting from victory, not for victory. So the best the enemy can try to do is steal my joy of the victory that Christ has won on my behalf to cause me to forget my position. This is, this is making sense here. So, so like Paul, I like to pray with joy for the people that God's put in my life, for the blessings that God's put in my life, for the health, for the, for the job. And some of you go, well, I got fired recently. Well, you can thank God for all the free time you got right now to do some lawn work or whatever, right? Food, like a car. Like, like some of you are like, I don't have much. I got some eyesight. I got a functioning liver. I'll take it. Like, I'll find new ways to be thankful for what God's done in my life, for the position that he's put me in, right? I, and I'll go so far as to make faith declarations over my life. Like, even, even and a faith declaration, faith is seeing things that are not as though they are, right? That's what it means. So sometimes I have to say things like, I want to go, God, what, you know, what's happening? Why, why isn't our building built yet? And why aren't we doing this? And I'll get into that rut sometimes. And now I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to just say, God, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know you're, on, you're at work. I know you're doing things on my behalf. And I begin to speak faith in my life over these circumstances. And, and, and you could say, well, dude, that's just poppycock and balderdash. I don't know what either of those two words mean. I hope I didn't just cuss right now, right? <laughs> Maybe I did in some other language. I don't know. But, but, but like, like this is what I'm doing now, and it's changing the atmosphere uh, in my life. Come, come on, no matter what, if you have breath in your body and the ability to string together a thought, you need to come up with reasons to joy up. You'll find them. You'll find them when you, when you realize you're seated in heavenly places. And, and I'm not talking about happiness. Remember, happiness is based on happenings and, and being dependent on happiness and happenings will have you up here one moment and 20 seconds later down here because life is a roller coaster. Can I get a good witness, right? And, and as a result of, of how life has treated you recently, some of you would say, well, you know what, Danny, man, I'm not, I'm not filled with great joy right now. I don't care if it is Christmas. I'm filled with great fear. I'm filled with great worry. I'm filled with great loneliness. I'm filled with, with a great degree of unhappiness. As a matter of fact, I've been in this stretch for so long now that I don't, I don't know how these things can be. I don't know how it's possible for, for me to ever joy up. L let me give you another thought here about that, how that could be possible. Joy is a personal awakening, and you choose it. I'm going to explain that here in a minute because that doesn't make a lot of sense on the surface. There are people in our lives, and, and, and you know these people, maybe you are one of these people, there have been seasons where I would be one of these people, where people just can't seem to sort of shake off the, the, the sadness or the negativity or, or just the general displeasure that they sort of walk through life with. They're stuck for years in a vicious cycle of this stuff because of something that's happened in their past or because of something somebody did to them or something that is ongoing in their lives. And, and, and of course, I'm not talking about medically depressed because of blood chemistry. That's a whole separate issue. I'm talking about people who are just stuck almost rhythmically in a bad season. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? These people that are like, and some, some of you say, that's me right now. As a matter of fact, in the first two services, I've had multiple people come up and say, thank you for today because that was me. That's me, and I'm going to come out. There, there's, this, there's this little known book of the Bible called Lamentations. And part of Lamentations, I think it's chapter 3, that says that, that, that the Lord's mercies are made new every morning. I find it interesting that it's not night or afternoon. It's every morning that they're made new. 
And, and, and what, that is saying, what that is saying to us is that, that God provides a way for us to put yesterday behind us, to give us a new shot at a new day every single day. He, he, he says in Isaiah's book that he, that he casts our sins or our mistakes or our worst ways. In, in his sight, he casts them as far as the east is from the west. And that in his power, in his sovereignty, he won't remember what happened in your life, what you did or what somebody did to you five years ago or 10 years ago or 40 years ago. And, 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 and somehow we don't do that. We actually will drag these things around from season to season to season, oftentimes even passing it down to our kids. But God provides a way every day, an opportunity every day to, to receive new mercies. This is why the psalmist David says in Psalm 30, I think it's verse 5, that, that sorrow lasts for a night, but joy comes when? In the morning. That mercies come in the morning, and, and so does joy. But that some of us, some of us have let us, our sorrow or, our, or, or the things that have happened to us last much longer than a night. And we've dragged it all through our lives when every morning there's mercy and every morning there's joy. Now, I, I got asked this question. When is morning? Like, like for you, when is morning? Like some of you would say, well, it's really my choice when morning is. And for me, 4 a.m. is morning. That's when I, when I get up. I'm old now and that's, that's me. Like about 3.30 or 4.30, I'm up. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just old and that's what happens now apparently. Uh, and, and some of you would be like, I don't even know what 4 looks like unless you stayed up that late. Right? And, you, and then for you, it's nighttime, and you're just passing the old people off. They're getting up, and you're going to sleep now. You know what I'm saying? So some of you would say, morning for me is 8 a.m., and not a moment before. Somebody's going to pay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know those people in your life. Don't wake them up. It's a bad day if you do, right? But, 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 but here's the point. Morning is when you choose to wake up, to get up. It's whatever time you choose to get up. And some of you may need help getting up like my girls do. You made an alarm clock to go off. And some of you, frankly, yours has been going off for years as it relates to you waking up and receiving joy. And you've been hitting the snooze on your morning, which is why you haven't lived in and experienced joy yet. Others of you need to be shaken awake because sorrow and pain and worry and defeat lasts for a night. But joy comes when you Decide to wake up. I hope, I hope this is making sense today. God has made this available to some of you, and you've just not yet chosen to take hold of the joy that comes when you wake up. I choose joy. Like some of you need to say that with me. I choose joy. I choose to take hold of what God has made available to me every morning. But I say it again, it's a choice and you have to choose to let go of something, some old thing to take hold of something new. See, this is the thing, and I've seen this over and over uh, years and years of working with people that some people just can't let go of the past. 
They can't let go of what somebody did to them, what that ex did to them, what that parent did to them, or what that parent didn't do, or what that boss did, or what that pastor did, or, or what that friend did. They can't let it go. And they wonder why they can't move on and take hold of new mercy and new joy. Sometimes you got to let go of this in order to get that. And it becomes so hard for people because we've been lied about or we've been lied on or betrayed or cheated on or given up on or abused. And it doesn't just hurt our emotions, man. We often end up with deeply wounded spirits. Wounded so deeply that it seems like we can't move past. We can't move on. It's like we're dragging heavy weights around through our lives. And I've learned this personally. Until we get healed in our spirits, we can't live in joy. It just won't happen. Getting our hearts healed and whole, it's also a choice. God can and God will help you. But I've got to say this. God can't help you move forward to experience a new joy, a new mercy, if you haven't yet forgiven the person or the people who wounded you in the past. Like that's the price of admission. You, 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 if you're carrying around bitterness and unforgiveness inside, you cannot live in joy. I know this from my own story. And so this is why Jesus would go on and say in John 15, one of the great chapters in all of the Bible, he said, I've told you this so that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There's a lot in this verse, but I want you to take away one thing, that it's possible for your joy to not be complete. That fullness of joy only comes with wholeness of heart. That you can't have the joy of the Lord with a heart that is divided, so that you've got to go to, your, to, to get your heart from that lost relationship. You got to go get your heart from that 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 broken boyfriend or girlfriend situation. You from that last church, from that last job, from wherever and whoever wounded your spirit. You've got to go get it back, and the only way you get it back is by absolute and real forgiveness. That's a fact. You choose to let it go. You choose to let the past go. It's hard, man. You'll have to work at it. There might be some times you pick it back up, but you keep letting it go. You choose to cancel the debt they owe you, whether it's the lost time that they took from you, the lost childhood that your dad not being there for you or your mother, the way she handled things, the lost years that you invested in what turned out to be a bad relationship. You cancel what it is you think they owe you and you choose instead a better life. You choose joy right where you are. No matter your circumstance, you choose joy. Fullness of joy comes with wholeness of heart. Who or what has part of your heart? Go get it. God's telling you, get up, man. Wake up. There's joy. There's mercy in the morning. Joy is a personal awakening, and you choose that. I I, I love this idea, and I didn't come up with this idea here, but I just want to give it to you because I think it's helpful so suppose you, you, you were to construct two lists. Some of you are list makers. I am. I like to operate from a list every morning. I write out, here's what we're going to do today. Here's when we're going to do it. And then I like to just check it off. There's like a great degree of satisfaction. That's done. And sometimes I'm, I'm lazy and I start with the easy things just so I can check off a lot of boxes. Anybody besides me on this one, right? But, but suppose you make two lists. And on the first list, you write down the names of all the people you know don't like you right? For some of you, you'd be like, that's a long list, and that's just my family, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? I'm kidding. 
And then you write that down, and then right underneath that, you have a new category, and you write down all of the disappointments that you've experienced in your life that you're currently dealing with, all of the injustices that you feel that have been laid upon you in one way or another, all the bad experiences, all the painful moments, all of the failures, the shame. You put that on one list, and you put it aside, and you get a new piece of paper out, and you write a new list, and you write down all the people that you love and who love you people that have been with you throughout and have always had your back and you write their names down and then you write down the good things that have happened in your life, the successes, the wins, the blessings, the opportunities that have happened and the victories that have come along in your life and you write that down and now you have two lists and so tomorrow morning you wake up and you take one list and you decide this one's going in the vault, the safe, the, 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 the secret place and I'm only gonna look at that once a year and you take the other list and you tape it on the mirror where you get dressed every day and you can choose whichever list you want. Which list are you going to put on, on the mirror? You're going to put the list that, that outlines all of your failures and your shortcomings and the people who don't like you? And some of you, without ever thinking about it, this is the way you operate in life. You're looking through a lens of all of the bad things so, so that every man that comes into your life, oh, this is just another opportunity for somebody to break my heart, or every woman, or every person, you're, you're looking through a lens of negativity. And here's the thing, what we focus on has incredible power in our lives. Focus fuels our faith. Focus fuels our fear as well. And focus fuels our feelings. You focus on only negativity, negativity will reign in your life and you will be called, you'll be known behind your back as a negative person. Focus on the positive and the positive things, the wins in your life. Not that everything is a win and, and joy can germinate and grow in your life. What you see, what you focus on is your choice. It, it is a choice. The list that you choose determines the story that you'll tell and the life that you'll live. And joy begins to come forward in a different way when you decide to joy up and you decide to place the good things that are happening in your life in front of your vision. Joy happens when you choose to focus on what's really important, what really matters, when you choose not to just live in the muck and the mire, but when you choose to get up sometimes at 30,000 foot and look down on your life. The writer of the book of Hebrews, he says in chapter 12, verse two, he says this amazing thing, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the, the perfecter of our faith or the author and the finisher of our faith, the old translations say, who, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There's a lot being said here, but one of the things that, that's coming to me as it relates to our context this morning is that Jesus was able to endure the worst day ever because he didn't focus on the worst day ever. He focused on what was going to come after the first day ever. He focused on his mission and what his mission was going to accomplish. And do you know what the joy was that was set before him? It was your salvation. It was my salvation that I was apart from God, that I was other than God, that I had no hope of getting to where he was. There was a bridge between me and God that I could not, in my own good efforts, get there. And Jesus said, I will die on a cross to make a way. I will suffer the horror of a cross to make it possible for Danny Rivers someday when he grows up to follow me. That's my joy. And, and so the writer says, I want you to focus. I want you to fix your eyes, not on your circumstances, not on what's happening today or right now. I want you to focus your, your attention on Jesus. 
who is not only the beginning of your faith, but he's the finisher of it as well. And, you fo- and the joy that you focus on is what Jesus accomplished for you. Not on your stuff, not on your horrible bad days, but on Jesus. Focus on Jesus and what he's done for you. Secured your salvation. Every now and then you just remind yourself, I'm seated in heavenly places. It doesn't feel like it today. I'm in Christ. I'm fighting from victory, not for victory. He's Because of the finished work of the cross, I am a child of God. I am not perfect, but I am a child of God. And every now and then, when it seems like life is closing in, I need to climb up to heaven's point of view because from heaven's point of view, the stuff I think is the worst day ever is not that big after all from heaven's point of view. In my life, I found that there's always something bigger going on than what I can see with my own eyes. Even when I've made a mess of my life, and I have, I have multiple times throughout life, when I've made bad decisions and bad things have happened as a result, even through my worst stretches, God always reminds me, I'm not finished with you yet. God has taken my messes oftentimes and turned them into miracles over and over again through my life. And Paul would go on in verse 6 of chapter 1 of Philippians to speak to this directly. Being confident of this, he says, that, that he who began a good work in you will do what? He will carry it on. He will carry the load on to completion. This is why we say at LightPoint, everyone's welcome. I don't care who you are, what your background is, how you vote, what your lifestyle is. Everyone's welcome. And nobody's perfect, but with Jesus, anything is possible. That's why we say that, because of that right there. And and let me say this, and I want you to notice. I want you to write it down if you're able. God never stops working towards something good in your life. Like, I don't care what your story is, what your situation is. God never stops working towards something good in your life. I got to finish. Y'all come back to the keys or do something so people will know that I'm about to end and they'll feel that weight of it. I got to skip all this stuff. I know that what I'm preaching is simple but hard to do. I understand that, man, because life is hard and, and it's hard when pressure is applied and when stuff is happening because joy is not our natural response to bad things but it can become that. The last thing, joy is a voice on the inside and you have to be able to hear it. But, but you can't hear it with these ears. You, you ever have a friend or a family member or somebody going through a really tough, bad thing and you try to console them or encourage them with your words and you're like, man, I'm gonna say some genius stuff right now. It's gonna change their whole lives. And then you realize that after you said it, they're crying harder. Come on, you know what I'm saying? They're like, you just made it worse. And you're like, no, that was brilliant, man. That'll fix the whole deal. And you're like, man, I gave it my best, but it didn't really work. And some people have done that. They're well-meaning, they're well-intentioned, but frankly, they don't really help us with their words. That's because you can't always fix what's broken on the inside with stuff from the outside. I referenced David earlier, Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. David had done these two bad things, and he's broken, and he's paid some prices. He's hurting. He's in a funk. He feels like maybe he's, done, he's gone too far. In verse 8, he says this, create this strange line. Make me hear what? Joy and gladness. 
Make me hear joy and gladness. Make me hear the voice inside of me telling that no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what is currently going on in your life, the mistakes that I've made, the brokenness of my heart, the stuff that, that hasn't gone right, that it, that it can be made whole, that you're not finished with me yet, that joy has a way of speaking to us to remind us that I don't care your mistakes, I don't care about your past, I don't care what's going on. None of it will drown out the voice of joy speaking to me from the inside if I choose to listen. You, you ever met people, believers, who are so other than us in that no matter what's going on in their lives, they seem to have peace, they seem to have joy. It's like, how do they do that? How, how can they go through this situation with the strength that they're going through? They, hear, they have something on the inside. They're drawing from a well on the inside that you and I have access to, but we don't know it. It's the joy of the Lord. And, and I think that God would speak to some of you in this place this morning. I don't care about your anger problem. I don't care about your addiction problem. I don't care about your brokenness of your story. I don't care about your negativity. I don't care about the, the, the pain, the brokenness, the shame, whatever's going on in life. Like, I want you to hear that you are loved by God. That you are prized by the King of kings and the, the Lord of lords who endured a cross because he saw you, saw me. That no matter what's happening in your life, he wants to give you joy. He wants to help you walk it all the way out through. You say, Danny, my life stinks. My relationships are sour. I'm, I'm alone. I'm lonely. How can I have joy? Joy has nothing to do with the outside. What you're asking for is happiness, which again depends on happenings. Joy is about faith. Joy is about the future. Joy, joy is about heaven's point of view, not what's going on around me. The joy is, comes from the knowledge that God is for me. Even when I'm not for myself, he's for me. That God loves me no matter what. And you choose all of that by faith. And you learn to tune in in the noise of this life to go. This one thing I know. God loves me. God is for me. And he wants to help me joy up in this season. No matter what's happening in my life. Last words, promise. I saw this the other day and I thought I got to share this with the folks. In this season, it can be easy to run out of this building and run full speed ahead. But what if you just said, no, no, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to stop. I'm going to rest. And in my rest, I'm going to take delight in what the blessings of the Lord in my life. I'm going to contemplate the season, the, the, the meaning of Christmas. I'm not going to just rush. I'm going to count my blessings. Then I'm going to repeat that. Stop. Rest. Take delight in. Contemplate. Count my blessings. Rest. Stop, do all over and over again. And I think you're gonna to start to feel a change in your personal atmosphere, that the joy of the Lord starts to come in your life as you begin to just take time to reflect and think about what's going on. Can I, can I just bless you now and pray over you? Lord, thanks so much, God, for this moment, for this opportunity, God, to be in this place. Thank you for the word of the Lord. I pray, God, that these simple words from my mouth, God, today would have found good ground, good, good soil in our hearts and our ears that we would hear this, that we can live in joy, that we can access joy, that we don't have to be negative. We don't have to live in fear or with anxiousness or, 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 or feel lonely, that we 
you are here for us in this season. That the, that, that the truth of, of Christmas is that God came near and that he's always near and that he's as close as the mention of his name. That if any one of us would reach out to him even a little bit, he will be there. He will hear us. God, give us the joy of the Lord and help us to joy up this season. I pray that as we leave this place that we would have an amazing family season. God, that we'd experience life and love and peace on earth and, and joy and goodwill. God, I pray that our gatherings would be marked by your presence and your love and your peace. I pray your blessings over each one of these folks. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And everybody said amen. Amen. amen.